Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any host or guest individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening. My name is Dr. Richard Selznick, and I want to welcome you to School Struggles. I'm proud to be a part of the Coffee Clutch team. On School Struggles, we talk about a range of topics, including learning disabilities, dyslexia, special education, ADHD, and a whole host of other interesting topics that affect your child. Uh, just by way of introduction, I'm a child psychologist and the director of the Cooper Learning Center, which is part of the Department of Pediatrics, Cooper University Healthcare, which is located in Voorhees, New Jersey. I am also the author of two books, both published by Sentient Publications. The first one, The Shutdown Learner, Helping Your Academically Discouraged Child, and the more recently published book called School Struggles. You can learn more about these books and other things at my website, which is www.shutdownlearner.com, which is one word. That site's loaded with blogs and a lot of other tidbits. And you can find me on Twitter under Dr. Sells and on Facebook under Shutdown Learner. It's the goal of this show that we talk in kind of plain language, down-to-earth chat about your child. And I also wanted to mention our sponsor, one of our sponsors, if your kids are are your kids struggling with reading and writing, get them the support they need with read and write software for the desktop, Google, or iPad. These proven software solutions help those with reading and writing difficulties, learning disabilities, or English language learners. Read and Write Gold text-to-speech software provides tools for reading, writing, studying, and research for students while they work within the common applications they use every day. Learn how the Read and Write family of products can help your struggling student by visiting www.texthelp.com. That's one word, texthelp.com, or call 888-248-0652. And if you're ready to buy now, get 10% off when you buy on their online store, on their online store with the Coffee Clutch code. And that code, you might want to write it down, is CK, capitals, that's CK, 14SAVE10. I'll repeat it, CK14SAVE10, the number, that's the number 10 at the end, okay? And now on to the show. I'm, I'm very happy we're, we're going to be talking we have two guests on right now we have uh both 
in the public school sector. We have Dr. John Kelmeyer, who is a school superintendent in New Jersey and a member of the faculty in the Nova Southeastern University doctoral program. A former high school principal, Dr. Kelmeyer has extensive experience with at-risk populations. Dr. Kelmeyer, who also holds an MBA, has served as a consultant to business and industry and is knowledgeable about organizational development and leadership in both the public and private sectors. A former writing instructor on the faculties of Penn State and Temple Universities, Dr. Kelmeyer has published about 200 articles in newspapers, magazines, textbooks, and journals. And uh, I know Dr. Kelmeyer quite well as I consult in his school district, the Brooklawn School District, and we always have very interesting and in-depth conversations about topics related to uh, trends in education. So welcome, John. Thank you, Richard. I'm glad to be here tonight with you. Happy to have you. And we also have a member, another member of the Brooklawn School District, uh, Miss, Mrs. Patty Moulton, who is a, uh, I think, Patty, you're an MSW, is that correct? That's correct, Richard. And you have you are the special education coordinator in Brooklawn, and I've known Patty for a number of years. She does a great job uh, in, in special education. So tonight we are talking about a topic that is causing many of you know. Since I'm on the outside of schools, I'm kind of on the other side of the fence. So I get parents coming into my office very stressed out about a number of different issues, and. One of the issues that has emerged fairly recently in terms of parental stress, and I do think child stress, at least what I'm seeing on my side, is the topic that we're going to focus in on tonight called the Common Core State Standards. And more and more parents are hearing about it, but I think many of us who are not in the schools are a bit confused. So both John and Patty are going to help us cut through the confusion. Now, if you're out there and you want to call in and ask our guest a question, the number is 646-595-2881, and we already have somebody on the line who's patiently waiting, but we're going to start the show. Uh, John, help us out a little bit. Explain what is meant by the Common Core State Standards. Well, Richard, um, what this, the Common Core State Standards are, are educational standards that have been developed by really a wide consortium of entities, primarily at the state level, but with some federal federal involvement, and the federal involvement has grown as the Common Core movement has grown. Right now, or at least up until the last year or so, you had 50 states with 50 different sets of standards. The idea of the Common Core State Standards is to have one set of standards for all the states that have joined the Common Core Consortium and to develop an assessment to measure those standards. Um, right now, the last I checked, I believe there's 45 or 46 states have joined the Common Core Standards. The big outlier, Texas has not joined. And um, the idea is... Very rigorous standards have been developed for language arts literacy and mathematics for grades K to 12. So very rigorous standards. 
more independent work, higher thinking skills, it's going to be a game changer. And, again, a very big difference is you will have one set of standards for all these states rather than 50 different sets of standards. Can you elaborate a little bit on how you see, and I'm going to shorten it up now, call it CCSS, Common Core State Standards, Common Core State Standards. They seem to refer to that a lot, CCSS. Mm -hmm. How do you see it as a game changer? In what way do you mean it's a game changer? Well, I, I know that let, let's take a look at the effect on the local school or the local school district. And, and those effects are multiple. And I'll talk about a few of them. First of all, school districts, those schools that, and let, let me mention something first called the park. The park will be the first national assessment of the Common Core Standards. Park can I, can I stop for, you for one? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, sure. sorry. The PARC stands for the Partnership for Assessment of Readiness for College and Career. Right now, 19 states have agreed to administer the PARC. It's down from 22, and then that number was down from 25. But there are 19 states that are going to administer the PARC next year. So that's the first widespread national assessment of the Common Core Standards. So let's ask the question, what happens when those park results come in? What happens for school districts? What happens for teachers and administrators? What happens for parents? What happens for children? School districts are going to be evaluated by how well the children did on these much more rigorous tests. So, too, individual schools will be evaluated. Teachers in many states now are required to develop what are called student growth percentiles, student growth objectives, where part of their evaluation will be how well the students performed on these tests. Professional development will be geared towards preparing teachers to do a better job preparing the children to do well on the park. Technology is a major issue. In many of the states, the park will be administered online. So there's issues of the devices. Can a child take a park on a laptop, on an iPad, on a desktop unit? There's going to be questions of bandwidth. There's even going to be issues such as for those states that are going to do it online, what about the writing sample? What about keyboarding skills for children? There's going to be greater pressure, obviously, on all students. And from what we're hearing and what we're anticipating, the scores are going to drop significantly. And then that raises the question, what will be the reaction of the local community? What will be the reaction of the parents if the tests drop, the results drop significantly, especially in districts that have a history of high performance? So that's what I mean you know, by a game changer. Well, you know, just like our conversations at school, you've hit me with a lot up front here, it's, and there's so much to sort out. What happens, I mean, great stuff, but what happens, you're saying 19 of these states have agreed to administer the park, but 46 states have joined the Common Core State Standards. So now yes. what, what happens, to, what are these other states, the other, say, whatever, 20-some-odd states doing that have not joined this park consortium? They're, they are still administering 
their own assessments. Now, the states that have joined the PARC consortium, that's a requirement. Many of your listeners may have heard of No Child Left Behind, uh, which was a national movement legislation about increasing test scores, about student performance. That now has been replaced with something called Race to the Top, which is from the Obama administration. And I believe all of the 19 states that are still in the park are receiving Race to the Top funding. So I believe it's a federal requirement that they administer the park. And so what are the other states doing? The other states are going to continue to administer their own developed assessments on the Common Core. Why this is a game changer in so many different ways, however, would be, uh, for example, some of the traditionally higher-performing states will be taking the same assessment as some of the traditional lower-performing states. Well, on the lower-performing states, before the park, they had they were able to set their own state assessment, their own state achievement test. So you had districts and you had states that traditionally are low achieving where literally 100% of the students met the standards. And you had high-performing districts and states where a decent number of the students did not meet the standards. Now, with these 19 states, there's going to be one standard which is going to allow a lot of comparison across the board. Mm-hmm. I believe without, that without core, yeah, Richard, I, I really don't view federal as a, as a forum for any kind of politicizing. But are there, I, in my reading of this, it seems to me that there are some political overtones here in this and with people kind of falling out on both sides. Can you comment on that a little? Well, I think there, 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 there is a political dimension to it, and I think that's unfortunate because I believe in the Common Core. I believe in the park. I think in some ways it has been rushed. And, you know, there's, there's a wonderful book um, on systems theory by somebody named Peter Senge called The Fifth Discipline, and it talks about how large systems work, why I support the Common Core, and I support the park. I'm very concerned about um, a few of Senji's rules for systems. What, one of the one of the comments he makes frequently is, "Today's solutions create tomorrow's problems." Mm-hmm. And what will be the problems that are created if and when the assessments drop because of the Common Core and the park? How will school boards react? How will state departments of education react? Uh, My concern is they're going to search for a magic bullet that cures all the problems of the schools, and that bullet does not exist. However, the search will continue. What what I don't understand, John, is that, you know, because you and I actually were very much around and we had projects tied into No Child Left Behind and Reading First. And to me, I, I almost remember you saying back then that this, that, you know, No Child Left Behind was, quote, a game changer. And Reading First, I thought, was a game changer. And frankly, people have already forgotten about it. I mean, I, I, it's, it's like a, it's, on, it's, it's 
gathering dust on my shelf, the whole reading first and No Child Left Behind and, and, and the National Reading Panel, which I thought had a tremendous impact on education, but in 10 years it's forgotten. So wouldn't you make some, have some assumption that as soon as some of the negativity comes in and some of the you know, people start questioning that, in, you know, 10 years from now, if we're still around in this business, we're going to be talking about the next game changer. What's your view on that? Well, I think No Child Left Behind has been replaced by Race to the Top, but I believe it's the same game. Um, there's, I don't believe there's that much of a difference in the sense it's still high-stakes testing. It's mm-hmm. actually this time, though, placing greater pressure not just on children but on teachers because you, they're formal. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I interrupted. I'm kidding. Their formal evaluation now in many states is going to be tied to student performance on the park. And teachers, in many ways, um, they're questioning that. They're questioning if the research supports tying their formal evaluations to student achievement. Um, In some cases, people feel that pouring billions of dollars into testing is a mistake. And... um, I, I think what we're seeing is increasingly more demoralized teachers, and so I, I don't see race to the top as all that different from No Child Left Behind. So I do see this as a continued game changer. And we say a game changer, the idea of students doing assessments online, the idea of teachers being held formally accountable for the student achievement. And how will boards react? How will parents react? You're going to have parents coming to you very upset that their student's score has dropped because of this assessment. And from what we're hearing, we should expect scores to drop. Mm-hmm. And Richard, Patty, you could imagine what this might mean for the special ed teacher with what John's speaking about. Yeah, that's that's a whole... You know, I, that's a whole segment of this that I, re, you know, because that's my world more so in terms of evaluating struggling children. So I really wanted to get mm-hmm. to that. I also, I, so hold that for one second, Patty, because I also wanted mm-hmm. to just follow up with John. What can you, John? Can you define just brief what you mean by high stakes testing? Because I try to cut through any terms in the show that, you know, jargon of terms. What does that mean? Sure. High stakes. Um, that a child might not be able to receive a diploma unless she or he passes a state assessment. That a teacher might not be reemployed unless that teacher's students do well enough on a state assessment. That's what we mean by and that high state, state assessment is the park right now. If you if your state, just to clarify again, if your state has signed in, that high stakes test would be the park. In New Jersey, which is a a partner in the park, they are field testing the park this spring. It will be a requirement for all children in K-12 language arts and math for the 2014-15 year. That's what we mean by high state. Patty? Yes? Can you... Have you seen the effect of demoralized teachers? You know, since you're 
more in a sense in the front lines with staff. Do you do you see teachers starting to get demoralized as John had mentioned? Yes. Yes, I do. When they when they especially if you think about the special ed teachers whose students will struggle to meet some of these higher standards and you know, they are expected to pass these assessments which are going to be difficult for everyone to do well on, all students, never mind special ed students. Um, so they're concerned that this will be part of their evaluation, how these students perform. So when you're a child, let's say, who has, a, in the state of New Jersey, they call it a specific learning disability, which is usually mm -hmm. a child who has a reading disability or is, kind of, or is dyslexic, let's say, that child mm -hmm. is going to take the same exact test as the child next to him who does not have this learning disability? Right. Correct. And it will also be different. I mean, it hasn't rolled out yet what the accommodations will be for a computerized test. Those are more difficult to give than a paper and pencil test where you have the, the teacher working with them in a, in a small group where they're able to get accommodations for a standardized test. So that's a whole new world of um, how to accommodate special ed students for these tests. Our schools... Are schools mandated then? So, the, I mean, once, once, like, once the school, the state, ha, like, once the state has brought into Common Core state standards, then, you, in a sense, John, your district can't go rogue, can you? Well, you could attempt to go rogue, but when you're evaluated, um, and the state has a system for evaluating school districts, um, one of the first elements they're going to look at is where do you stand with your implementation of the Common Core? Um, we receive, on a monthly basis, um, reports, where do you stand with the Common Core? Where do you stand? Do you have the technology in place to administer the park? Are you training the teachers in the new teacher evaluation systems? So if a district would go rogue and ignore it, it would do so at great cost, at least for those districts and those states that have bought into the park, mm -hmm. it's part of this, the evaluation system. Right. Oh, boy, I can feel my stomach in knots right now just listening to all this, I'll tell you. You think it's a good thing, John? I feel my stomach kind of getting in knots. We have, um, we have someone who has been patiently waiting. I think her name is Mary, so I'm going to take her off of mute and have her ask. I assume you guys a question. Okay. Okay. Thank you for taking my call. I am calling from Warren County, New Jersey. And I recently read an article in the paper that uh, the park um, will be replacing the HESPA. Um, but I also read that... Can you tell what that um, HESPA is? Sorry to interrupt, just please, because some people don't know who are outside of New Jersey what the HESPA is. Can you just tell them what that is? That's the high school, um, it's almost like the, the high school exit exam that is required to pass in order to graduate. Right, right. It's sort of like um, the, right, it's the exit, exit test. It's like a proficiency test, correct? Yes. That's, okay, that's my understanding. Sorry, sorry, Mary. Sorry. Okay, thanks. Okay. So, um, anyway, I was reading, uh, I recently read an article in the paper, and it said that the park will be replacing the HESPA, 
but yet um, it will not be used as an exit exam um, and that um, would not be used as an exit exam, but would become part of uh, the transcript for the student. Did you read a similar article to that? John, and I believe it was on New Jersey Spotlight. I believe what we're going to see for the first few years as the park is rolled out is that they will not use the results of the park to hold up a student's graduation, for example, at least for a few years, because I don't think the people who are behind a lot of these initiatives have thought all this through all that carefully. And I don't think they're going to prevent a child from graduating in 2014-15 or 15-16. But going three or four years out, I think it will be, it could be an exit exam that one has to pass. I think they'll try to put some safeguards because they're not sure themselves how the state is going to do on this park when it rolls out. So this year, they're in the spring, they're doing field testing. Next year, it is an official administration, but I don't believe that they're going to stop students from graduating based on those results in 2014, 2015. Down the line, I believe they may, just as on the HESPA. And for those who are not in New Jersey, just as I said, each state has its own exit exams. That's being done away with, with the once the park comes in. So I no, I don't think it will hold up someone from graduating in 2014-2015. Okay, but again, it, what I read was that these results will become part of the students' transcripts. So I'm thinking about it as far as um, those transcripts are become part of um, information that's provided to colleges, correct or not? That's correct. And, and that mm. goes back, Mary, to something I said earlier. One of my concerns is the um, unanticipated effects of this. If these scores drop the way we believe they may, colleges and universities employers are going to have to have some background and context to understand, okay, this is not the same assessment. It's something much different so they don't overreact to scores that have dropped. Right. And that's why the Department of Education and school districts and the media need to do a good job to explain this is something much different. This is this. Common Core and the park are designed really for international competition so American students achieve with any students in the world. It's, it's a much different standard. And, so and, I, and I understand that, and I, and I support it. Um, and I am, uh, you know, I am expecting to see uh, a decline in uh, proficiency. Um, so a lot of parents whose children um, are high achievers 
um, are not going to necessarily be deemed as high achievers any longer. And I have a special ed kit. So um, obviously my concern is for um, uh, my child, um, who's never been proficient on, on standardized uh, tests in New Jersey ASK or anything like that, um, and I just don't see how it's even going to be possible for him to achieve on these. But, you know, ultimately those parents whose children uh, who don't have learning issues are, 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 are going to steal the hit. Mm-hmm. Mary, Mary, you, Mary, how old is your child? Uh, he's 16. Have you started to see any effects at, on him in terms of any of you know this, any of these kind of uh, you know common core stressors that we were referring to? Have you seen that directly? Well, uh, my son is actually in, in a uh, private placement at a at a school for dyslexic uh, mm-hmm. kids. So he is going to have to take the park exams uh, that's mandated. Um, but um, he has a lot less stress where he is than he ever has. You know, John, so, that was a piggybacking on Mary's statement about him being a private. That was, that was actually one of my questions on my on my list here. Are private schools or Catholic schools? with Common Core State Standards, how does that work out? They're free to adopt them, but they're not required to. And many private schools and many Catholic schools and or will adopt or have adopted the Common Core, but they will not be required to and they will not be participating in the park. Right, and my, my son has is, will have to go back to the public school to, to take those. Mary, does he take the ask now? Or has he taken the ask throughout all of his years? And has he taken uh, that at the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he, he uh, up through seventh, yes, he took the, the New Jersey ask through, through eighth grade. That's really? correct. Okay. Okay. So it's Boy, a, we're, yeah, very, we're very Jersey-centric here, you know. We're going to, have to clarify these terms for, the, for those oh, that might I'm go sorry, beyond our right. wonderful state. State, right. NJ ask <laughs> is another one of those indicator tests. Right. What one Mary of is saying, Richard, I think is, yep. I think a lot of parents are going to react in the way Mary is expressing that what happened to my child. I had a conversation just a week ago with uh, a school psychologist who shared that she was checking her sons uh, in AP courses at an outstanding high school, and she saw a, on his online grades park assessment and there was a grade in the 70s and she was like what is this and uh and she knows something about the park and she was concerned and she said boy the community will be outraged if yeah all of these scores plummet i don't think that's my biggest concern how will how will the community react how will the school boards react how will the media react? Because they don't understand. I don't know if they understand what's coming. Right. Sounds and ominous case, to me. I would say the um, they were doing park practice tests and they were counting it in the child's grade. It was within his, you know, marking period grades. So if those grades start going down, because that will affect their transcript, parents won't be happy with that either. 
But again, the whole purpose of this is so that we can compete on a global level. Mm-hmm. All right, and we we talked. I you know I talked to a lot of people who are in business. Okay, and they really are very disappointed in in our kids coming out of college. Okay, mm-hmm. that um, and and um, so this is you know part of the push, and I understand that. Right. Um, and and these talks have been in place. The common course been you know uh, been talked about since two thousand and nine, I believe, is when they started this. Um, but parents aren't even aware of PARC. I mean, I know my local school board has done nothing to uh, put anything out there regarding PARC, what PARC is. Um, so unless you're a, a parent who um, follows education, um, many are not even aware of what PARC is. I agree with that 100%. And those of us who are, follow education... <laughs> who who are out on the periphery and are, uh, don't know a lot of these things. So it's, I, I think it's, you know, John and other you guys, it's gonna, I think it's going to be very, very hard to, to get parents and media and other, you know, thought leaders on board with this. Mary, I'm going to put you on hold for a second. I want to ask another question. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks so much. And stay on if you want to ask another question. If I see you're still on, I'll maybe get back to you, okay? Okay, you know what? I'm just calling in because it's easier that way for me. So that's okay. all right. You don't need to get back to me. I'm just going to listen. Okay, great. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put you on the mute button for a second, okay? Okay, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for your question. If you're out there and want to get in on this with these brilliant educators, call in at 646-595-2881. I wanted to read um, just a brief piece here from a this was from the Washington Post I want to get both of your perspectives and the the headline the the, the article says teacher slams scripted common core lessons that must be taught word for word so she says I took this out of the article here's the teacher writing this she says mm-hmm. I was given a curriculum and told by my administration to teach it quote word for word in a meeting with my administration, I was reprimanded with, quote, don't forget, standards drive our instruction. That was the administrator's quote. Then she went on to say, standards drive instruction, data determines effectiveness. Positive outcomes for students require proof. If I don't supply proof, I'm not an effective teacher, period. And my administration has warned me that my job depends on this proof. I can no longer do projects with my students anymore because I have to teach the curriculum word for word and I'm not and I'm only allowed to use standards based assessment. I've dedicated my life to teaching children, but with CCSS, teaching children is no longer the point. Standards based education gets it all wrong. They assume that best teaching and the best learning can be quantified with tests and data. What do you guys think? What's your response to that? Well, I mean, I think for sure there has to be some accountability. There have to be some standards that they're trying to reach. They do have to, you know, teach what, you know, the Common Core has made fewer standards each year, but they want the teacher to be able to teach it to mastery. And that, you know, that's a good idea. But on the other hand, I mean, they have to find some middle ground. The teacher's 
that you're taking all the creativity out of teaching or anything that the teacher can bring to the table, having to follow exactly what a, a scripted lesson every single time they approach the children. So I do think there has to be some middle ground in there for teaching. Yeah, yeah Richard, I am aware, unfortunately, of districts where a person could lose their job based on the results of assessments and where the administration is so inflexible that you're supposed to be on a certain chapter in a certain week of January or February, you better be there. But I think that's just inflexible administration. We need to find a common ground. Um, That is, however, a very, very important comment, what you read. And I'll share an anecdote. When, When I finished when I finished my principal's program, uh, my training, I, I went immediately into an MBA program, and I found there was a remarkable difference between people that were getting their MBAs versus people that were trained to be principals. And the biggest difference was they had, most of them had a pretty straightforward, look, you just measure what good teaching is, you do an assessment, and you reward those who reach the standard. And in in some ways, that's now the model that we've seen come to the forefront as far as trying to quantify everything. In New Jersey now, there's a new teacher evaluation system that's required. And at the end of the year, everyone, principal, nurse, school counselor, third grade teacher, gets a number. And that number is somewhere from one to four. And there's a very quantitative formula where everybody gets a number. And if your number is 3.2, you're a better teacher, I guess, than if your number is 2.8. And that's what that quote you read from the Washington Post is expressing. And I think there is a frustration among a lot of teachers, uh, a pressure. Mm-hmm. Yep. We we do have another person on the line. It looks like another Jersey area code here, so we can continue with our Jersey-based questions. Um, now, I want to make one. While I take you off, hold on one second. I'm going to put you on on the air. Hi, can you state Hi, your name? Hi, I'm Car- uh, Carolee Adams. I go all over the state, and I speak down in the D.C. area about Common Core. I'm opposed to it. But if I may address the international benchmarking, may can, I do can, that really can you, quickly? Can, wait, Carolee, can I just say one statement for one second, oh, please? Of course, of course. Well, one second. <laughs> just, it's okay. I, just, I see that on the board we have six minutes left in the show. Now, if the show goes past 45 minutes, if you're listening live, the show will continue to record, and you can hear this both on iTunes and through you know, the uh, blog talk radio, and we'll be sending it out. But if it, if it does cut off, we, it is gonna, the show continues to be recorded. So, Carly, go right ahead. I'm going to just, I can address many, many things that you've stated. Uh, I just gave a speech last night before 80 people in the Hanover area of New Jersey. But anyway, international benchmarking, I'm going to quickly run through four comments. Number one, the United States has proven time and t- time again with various Nobel Prize uh, winners, uh, science papers, entrepreneurial skills, that we are so far advanced compared to any other country. 
Uh, number two, uh, in all other countries uh, that we always compare ourselves to, the United States is the only one that tests all its students. Other countries don't do that. Uh, number three, a fellow by the name of Dr. Young Zhao, Z-H-A-O, an international global technological expert. In fact, Mark Tucker invited him to take him on a tour of China uh, to examine all of the uh, – how the Chinese – educate their children. And it was Dr. Zhao who's come out opposed to Common Core, basically saying, do we want to teach the children how to take a test or how to think? And number four, it's the math standards. Certainly, we, I don't know how businesses want to have science, scientists and engineers who are going to have reduced math standards in, 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 in high school. Uh, algebra 2 is maybe the highest that's going to be given. Uh, no trig, no calculus, no plain geometry. So, I mean, Dr. James Milgram came out with a conclusion. He was on the validation committee of Common Core, refused to sign off on it. He says, so where are we going to get our future engineers from? And he said, with Common Core, we're going to have to look for those engineers outside the country. So I think this international, you know, comparing we have international standards is a joke. And I, I, I think it's untrue. In Winston Churchill's words, it's a terminological inexactitude. So let's not do that to our children. I, I, I tend to think, yes, um, there's a lot of good that we can do in, in our public school system that we probably haven't done. I mean, a good education, you need a good curriculum, a good teacher, and a student prepared to learn. This is not a good curriculum, and certainly the testing is out of line as well, too. This is the first time in the history of the United States we'll have nationalized education, tops down, no local control, no parental input. Um, I think we have to put a hold to it. And we do have in New Jersey a bill to do just that. And 12 senators, state senators, also sent a letter to Commissioner Cerf asking for the cost of it, asking for a whole lot of questions that Commissioner Cerf has refused to answer. They're playing hardball with us, and I think it's got to stop. And that's what I have to say. <laughs> well, thank you for your comment. Do you, anyone want to comment on top of that? Or just let it go? Well, Richard, I, th I, think the, uh, I think the caller's comments are well taken. There's a lot of controversy involved with this. Uh, she had mentioned the cost, and I know we had talked about that. This is another unfunded mandate. Right, I should ask you about that. Yep. There are many that are imposed on school districts. Um, what we're told in New Jersey is we should have one device for every two students, a device meaning a laptop, an iPad, a desktop. Uh, we're supposed to test all these children within a 20-day period. Um, the cost of professional development, the cost, um, it's an unfunded mandate. Uh, I'm aware of the, of the legislation that's been introduced, but in my experiences, I don't believe the Department of Ed is going to waver on this. I, we had hoped they that they might to give it more time, but it doesn't appear like it's going to happen, unfortunately. I, I think it can, and I think it will. If Governor Christie wants to be President of the United States of America, he must know that this is a hot, hot topic, that there are millions of moms opposed to it, angry about it. We want it to go away. We were able to kill school to work in the 1990s, which basically, I, I was a member of the press at that time. I attended the National Governor's Summit on Education when Achieve was formed. Uh, we were able to kill the grandfather of, of Common Core, which was school to work. Basically, by sharing information like you're doing now, by introducing a bill, by getting our legislators involved. One of the other reasons it died was Fed funds dried up in the 1990s. And right now, here in New Jersey, we've got $38 million. California needs a billion. Florida, $440 million. Tennessee, $660 million. So New Jersey is not in the best financial state. Certainly, you know that. Where are we going to get this other $550 million that supposedly a Pioneer Institute has said we need? It's certainly the difference between $38 million and what Pennsylvania got it. 
think $660 million is, is enough of a difference right there. So I, I think we, we can do away with it. I think Governor Christie can be convinced, just like he has been with some other things, that he took this money at a time when we were in a deep recession before the standards were even written, and that it wasn't in the best interest of the students, the taxpayers, and the general economy of New Jersey. So I, I do think, I, I'm, I'm quite sure that we will be able to defeat it, particularly with the diverse opposition that is inclined. We have conservatives, liberals, teachers, board of education members, and I do think the superintendents of the schools are very much afraid of Commissioner Surf not getting their plans approved or not getting their bonuses, and we have to give them the confidence that we know they're doing a good job and Common Core is not going to help them to do their job any better. Carolee, thank you so much for your input. I appreciate it. Now, those listening in 30 seconds, this is going to go offline and you or go off live but if you wanted to continue to hear the conclusion of this show we'll probably go another five minutes I had a couple more quick questions for our guests and then we will wrap it up uh, John what kind of professional with all of this unfunded mandate what kind of training professional development will teachers need when it comes to helping them with with all of these higher order thinking standards and everything else, what's what's your sense of that? Well, you know, Richard, there's something very ironic here, because while I think we're witnessing the transition of the teaching profession from what most of us grew up with, the role of the teacher to really a teacher now more of a facilitator. And if, if you're inside the schools and if you see all, all the changes that have come about, they're becoming more and more prescriptive where there'll be a data bank that we have. It could be, say, the uh, Northwest Evaluation Assessment, the MAP assessments, where a, a, a child will take an assessment on a computer and then you'll have a prescription, literally, for these are 25 interventions you may try, and then you're supposed to you're supposed to implement the intervention and track whether it's effective. So it, it, there's a bit of irony here because it is going to, in some ways, there's a greater need for professionalization, but some people feel there's actually going to, could be deprofessionalization, that things will become more and more prescriptive and that teachers basically will be managers or facilitators of programs that are developed by outside outside yeah. people. I don't know. Patty, I, I, you know, and I do see another caller, and they could be outside the, the New Jersey area, so we have to get them on before we get off the show. Patty, I see kids who can't write a sentence. You know, the kids that I see are mostly dyslexic, learning disabled style kids. And, you know, they can't read. They're, they're, you know, the reading is significantly impaired and they can't put together some sentences that are, you know, the writing is significantly problematic. Yet I'm looking at some of these standards here that they want these kids to do. You know, I could read. I, I had them highlighted in New Jersey. Uh, you know, be, this is uh, by the end of grade one, Patty, begin to mimic mm -hmm. an author's voice and patterns and to produce stories from personal experiences. Uh, really? Right. What, right. What's right. I mean, really, Patty? How, the, how are we going to deal with this with these kids? That, yeah, with we were, struggling? Um, we classified a student, a first grader, recently, and we're trying to write a goal of what we wanted him to do. And basically, we wanted him to write a sentence with capitalization and punctuation. Right, and one sentence, sentence, right, right, Patty? And, right, so we're looking for right. the goal, 
and it, like it was the kinds of things you're you're speaking about. It was we're like we just need a simple goal for this child to start learning, right. to start where he's right. at, and to build from there. And yeah. that wasn't existing. Attaching the goals to the common core, it was what, what you're saying. Right. Like, it was yeah, meeting no what the child's needs are. It was teaching to do what the child's needs are. Correct. Right. And to start where he's at, because he can't, he can't start yep. there. He has to start from the bottom and work his way up. And we're always yep. trying to close that gap. But we have to start where the child is and then move them, try to move them along the continuum and try and reach those common core standards and, you know, appropriate grades. But it takes some time and it's, you know, effort, and you can't just start, you know, where the state tells you to start. Thanks. We have, we have one more question. This will be the last question and then we will start to wrap up. So here we go. Hello? Hello? Yeah, hi, what's your name? Hi, uh, my name is Elena. Hi, Elena. Um, I'm calling to comment on um, a statement um, that uh, Carol Lee, I believe her name is, made about international standards in education. Okay, and I could bring Carolee um, back on if she wants to comment after this. So. Yes, um, I am an immigrant, and uh, my son, for the first four years, was educated in in a different country. And uh, when we moved to the United States, um, the level of education, and specifically mathematics was so low compared to what um, we learned in our country that um, he didn't have to do any math homework until he was in grade nine. So the standards in the United States are really, really low if they exist. Elena, where are you from? I didn't pick up what you said. Where are you from? <laughs> I didn't say where I'm from. Oh, I'm sorry. From the I, thought former you said, Soviet I thought you said at the beginning. Sorry. I'm I am sorry. from I the former Soviet Union. Uh-huh. Well, welcome. Yes, and thank you. And um, really, something has to be done about that. It is really embarrassing of... Um, to to see how poorly um, students do in math, and I'm sure there are very good schools where where education is perfect, but in general, and I'm referring to just public schools. My son went to a public school in Philadelphia, and in general, the standards are very very low. John. Well, the, I, I, you know, I'm aware of the standards in many of the large urban school districts, including the Philadelphia School District, and I think what's happened is that many of the districts have adopted very low standards, and as a result, they're trying to push the kids through the door to graduation. And so that's why I am in favor of the Common Core and the park. I'm just concerned at how quickly it's being implemented, and I'm concerned at the possible side effects. Uh, one other comment I'd make, Richard, is um, the United States in many ways is fragmenting into haves and have-nots. And the high-stakes testing, the Common Core, the park, 
could accelerate that in some ways as far as the students who make the cut, who achieve the standards, and those who don't. And so I think it's a matter of how we get there. We all want to get to international standards. The question is, how do we get there? And I disagree with the previous caller, um, although I would like to see some of these some of these processes slow down, I believe we're going to be administering the park next year, and we are using the Common Core right now. I just don't think the Department of Education is going to relent to that. So I think it's a matter of how do we get there. Five years from now, I think it will be a much different dialogue, and the park and some of these standards will be fully accepted. But whatever damage may occur may occur in the next five years as we try to make that transition to international standards. And unfortunately, many students are going to struggle to make that, and many of the children you work with, Richard, at Cooper are going to struggle, children with learning disabilities. We don't want them to be left behind, and in some ways they may, they may be the most damaged and most likely to be left behind. Elena, thank you so much for your comment. I'm going to give Carol Lee, since I'm a psychologist, I enjoy group process. I'm going to give you one more chance to get back on here with us. Elena, thank you so much. You're welcome. Goodbye. Right. Um, Carol Lee? Thank you very much. The the Board of Education meetings that I go to and speak before uh, do not want to have, uh, they believe it's dumbing down to the standards that we already have. Uh, I'm not talking about a major city, uh, and I do understand that so much of this is geared to the kids in failing schools, yet at the same time, um, you know, once again, a lot of these children that go to these schools comes from, you know, like I said, you need a child prepared to learn. And they're coming from homes where they're not being prepared to learn. They're not being, they're coming from dysfunctional homes. And Common Core is not going to help those children. I'm sorry. Uh, it's an American tragedy. But nevertheless, when you are demanding of, of schools that are doing an excellent job to dumb down their standards to Common Core, that's unfair to those parents those teachers, those students, and their taxpayers, if they want to continue to give the finest of education to their students that they've done in the past, they should be allowed to without dumbing down the standards. Um, and, and I still would, I would say to you, we are not going to sit. When Bill Gates says, let's give it, and I, I have the quote I don't have in front of me, where he said, let's, let's, it would take us about 10 years to see whether or not these ideas will work. We cannot allow the children to fall through the cracks. No children should be allowed to fall through cracks while we test out these ideas. These ideas have to be tested before. In New Jersey, they're going to administer a third-grade test. Uh, to see how this is going to work out, but they're not going to tell the parents the scores. I'm sorry, the parents need to know the scores. And I do think that when parents find out about it in the state of New Jersey, like they found out about it in New York, things are going to change. We will have a timeout here, and we will not relent until there is a change. Thank you for your comment. Take care, Carol. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Um, John and Patty, we could go on for hours. You were very stimulating as I thought you would both be, I want to thank you for being guests on this show. Maybe we'll have you back on in the, in the, uh, to talk about other, as this unfolds, if you uh, would want to come back on. This, I, obviously, it stirred up uh, people's responses out there. Uh, thank you for listening. And next month, I believe my guest is going to be Ben, going to be ben Foss, who is the author of the Dyslexia Empowerment Plan. So that's exciting. And we also are going to have Beth Ravelli the, the month after that talking about her journey with dyslexia from into the 
law in New, in New Jersey uh, mandating dyslexia screening and education. So that's down the road for us. John and Patty, thank you so much again. I want to say good night. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you. Pleasure thanks. to be Take here. Take care, folks. I'll see you on Thursday. <laughs> Take care. Right, thanks. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.